Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com. We are super excited for you to spend time with this next guest who is a dear friend of ours and someone whose voice we really trust and are excited to share today. Jeannie Cunyon is the author of Don't Miss Out, Mom Set Free, and Parenting the Wholehearted Child. She is a frequent speaker at women's conferences and parenting events around the country. Jeannie's passion is encouraging women to live in the freedom for which Christ has set us free something her own heart needs to be daily reminded of, don't we all? Jeannie's work has been featured on The Today Show, Fox & Friends, Fox News, The 700 Club, and Focus on the Family. Jeannie has a master's degree in social work, and previous to writing, she worked in counseling and adoption, traveling the country to speak about adoption and parenting. These days, you're most likely to find her driving carpool, Coordinating chaos, cheering for her boys on the sidelines of their games, or singing worship songs off-key in her kitchen while trying to cook an edible meal. You can connect with Jeannie and find out more about her latest book, Don't Miss Out, at JeannieCunyon.com. Thank you for carving out time to be with us. Oh, I'm so happy to be with you guys. It's an honor to join you. It's an honor for us. We're particularly thankful you're with us because... Any mother of four boys should get an Olympic gold medal for just getting out of bed. Sorry, five. five. Yeah, see, I can't even keep up. I can't either. (laughs) So thank you that you even rolled out of bed this morning to spend time with us. Oh, I wouldn't miss this. But yeah, there are five of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, can we throw some questions your way? I love that we're talking about freedom in the midst of five boys. Speaking of five boys, I was hoping we could try something different today. I don't know if you guys are down for it. Sure. I was hoping I could ask you all the questions. (laughs) (laughs) I have questions for a friend, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's do this. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Let's start with what does being a free parent mean to you? It's so interesting because I wrote Mom Set Free three and a half, four years ago. And I feel like I'm in a stage in parenting where I need it more than ever. Mm. That I need to remember my freedom in Christ as a mom more than ever. What it means to stand on the promises of God and stand under the sovereignty of God every single day as I raise these five boys who range from four to 24. I'm learning I know you guys know this, having written so many books, that you can know things in your head, but living those out is a whole other thing. Yes. I'm just 
utterly reliant on the Holy Spirit right now to help me live in the freedom for which Jesus set me free as a mom to remember that he is faithful. He is good. He has not let me down so far (laughs) and and he won't start now. Mm. The pressures moms face and dads face, you know, the pressure to have all the right answers, the pressure to perfectly orchestrate your kids' lives, the, the pressure to protect your kids from things you don't want them exposed to you know, is obviously heightened in the situation that we're in now with the pandemic. You add to it the anxiety and and the fears and just the loneliness. And it's just an incredibly unique and I think challenging time to be a parent. So I am clinging to my freedom more than ever, just saying, Lord, you have given me these promises and I'm going to stand on them, even on the days where it really looks like I'm being tested and tried to believe that these things are true. I'm so grateful for you to speak to that, Jeannie, because Dave and I have talked about that we, in this last stretch of time, have never had as many parents in our offices in tears well, I believe it. as we have lately. And I think it is a universal. There's just this pressure cooker that's happening. And so for you to speak freedom and truth and grace into that, it's just, I mean, it's obviously it's why we wanted you to be on here, but just so grateful for your words and for your honesty and vulnerability in that, because I think it just is going to help other people feel so free too. So that said, we'll just dig a little deeper. What would you say is your biggest challenge with being free as a parent? Oh, goodness. I think my biggest challenge is really trusting that God has covered all of the things I am trying to control. That's my biggest prayer right now. Help me to trust that you have already covered all of these things that I'm I'm trying to control. I think we're in a unique season with our kids. We have a four-year-old. He's our mascot. <laughs> and then we have Finnegan. He's, you know, he's he gets the most comments on my Instagram. He, but he's our little mascot. And then we have three boys who are basically all in the wanderer stage. So now I'm gonna, mm-hmm. you know, touch on the way that Mike and I cling to this book called Wild Things, <laughs> written by a gentleman named David Thomas. It's a great one. In fact, I have to tell you a really funny story. So we have three kind of wanderers, and then we have a wonderful son from Haiti who's 24. He's in his sophomore year in college. What a gift he is to our family. But I have to tell you this story because I said it the other day, it feels like parenting feels like a lot like whack-a-mole right now. (laughs) Yeah, You know, (laughs) it's like you just, you hit one thing down and then it's like seven more pop up. (laughs) And before you can even hit one of those, two more pop up. Mm. So Mike and I were emailing back and forth about, some of the things we're praying about and need to sort out for our boys' lives. And I'm going to read you an excerpt, a real-life excerpt from an email (laughs) from my husband. Can I do that? Yes. This is with his permission. So he says, babe, I keep reading the wanderer section in David's book because it reminds me this is a tough season, which feels overwhelming. But I'm also encouraged because this is how most boys are expected to act between the ages of 13 and 17. Mm. Stories are hilarious. And then he quotes four lines from your book, David. Okay? (laughs) I'm going to share them because I think this will really encourage any parent who has boys and girls maybe between the ages of 11 and 17. So number one quote, Mm. his physiological world is pure bedlam. (laughs) (laughs) Pure bedlam. The chemical reactions in his body are now like a firework stand on fire. (laughs) Okay. That is David Thomas, number one. Number two, for the Wanderer and his parents, this season is marked by insecurity, uncertainty, confusion, and instability. Mm -hmm. Mm. There's that. Okay, number three. 
You can just smell the attitude on them, a mixture of arrogance, bravado, and cluelessness. Mm. <laughs> David, you wrote these wise words. Mm. <laughs> and then lastly, wanderers need for their caregivers to understand that this part of the journey toward manhood is painful, scary, and disorienting. And that last one is really helpful for me to remember that they just need so much grace right now. And it kind of circles back to being a mom set free because I cannot give them grace if I am not receiving the grace that God gives me. Mm. And it makes a profound difference in the way I parent them every day. We can't give what we haven't received. And so if I am not constantly remembering my freedom from guilt and my freedom from shame, because of what Jesus did for me, then it's so hard for me to parent in that gentle, gracious space. And so, you know, just the other day, I had a conversation with my 16-year-old and I had to go to him and ask for forgiveness for how, how I handled something. And I just said, babe, I just want you to know how grateful I am for the grace of God, that he has me covered in situations like that, and that he has you covered. Because I think part of the beauty of our freedom and what it does for our kids, it is it gives them permission to seek forgiveness as well. And we get a lot of things wrong, but I will say that is one area where I'm really grateful our family seems to do well. And it's just this ability to say, I'm really sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Mm. And to ask for forgiveness and to grant forgiveness. And, and we have seen that overflow into our boys, just a willingness to confess confess the things that Jesus already knows. So you don't have to carry around that hidden shame, bring it out into the light. Let us speak grace over it. Sometimes let us give consequences to it. (laughs) Right. I love it when my 13 year old goes, what about the grace? And I'm like, oh, buddy, I love you. Grace is not a lack of discipline. I discipline Mm. you because I love you. I give you consequences Mm. because I love you. Mm. Great statements. God disciplines those he loves. It's knowing that we have to know the grace that God gives us if we want to be able to give that to our kids. And and when I'm not living in grace, it's really evident in my parenting. You know, I come I come down on them rather than coming alongside them. And mm. it's really a posture that I have to keep in my mind. Am I coming alongside my son in his sin or his weakness or his failure, or am I coming down on him? Mm. One is conviction. One is condemnation. One reflects the heart of God one speaks as the enemy would want us to. And so all of those things are the overflow of a mom who knows God's unconditional, unrelentless love for her, even on the days where she messes up so bad and falls onto the couch in tears, just saying, Lord, I need you. I can't do this. This is really hard. And he loves to meet us in that place. His grace Here's the other thing about His grace. It doesn't just remind us of His love. It transforms us. His grace isn't just that thing that relieves the guilt. It really does empower us to change. His grace has power. Mm. So I love that it does both of those things. It frees us from shame and guilt, but it also has this transformative power to help us face the next day, to face the next situation with the belief, the trust that God really is in us and for us and will give us what we need to parent, to parent the kids he has entrusted to us. Mm. That's beautiful, Jeannie. And we're going to pause right here and give you an opportunity to get online and purchase Mom Set Free. <laughs> as soon as you've hit buy now, we'll resume this episode. <laughs> what a picture of why... We would want parents to have a copy of that book, Jeannie. I love that you shared that story. Mm, It feels like such a snapshot of 
who you are as a parent and a person. And I think for how many parents listening who didn't grow up with a parent who ever apologized and modeled what that looks like. And of course, it would become an invitation for your boys to confess and because that's what's familiar. And so Mm -hmm. I love that you shared that for so many reasons. Thank you. And do grab that book. I think one of the reasons it's hard for us to confess our failures or to ask for forgiveness from our kids is because there's this belief that we don't want to we don't want to let them see our weaknesses, mm-hmm. right? We don't want to invite them into our struggles. We have this belief that we have to be all the things for them, that they have to know that we won't mess up and we won't let them down, right? There's that pressure to be their rock, to be their sure place, mm. to be their cornerstone. And when you think about those words, scripture reminds us that God already is all of those things. So again, it's just an invitation. I want to encourage parents who didn't grow up in a home that way or or have fears about welcoming their kids into their weaknesses, to just know that your weakness is a beautiful invitation to say to your kids, you know, there is only one person who is never going to let you down. Mm. And as much as I would love for that to be me, I would, I would love for that to be me. It is not. Mm. And you know that already. (laughs) So the only person who's never going to let you down is Jesus. Mm. And so even in our weaknesses, it's just such a great opportunity to be like, there's only one who's never going to let you down. It's not me. It's him. Mm. And there's a lot of freedom in that. There's so much freedom in that because sometimes I think we want our kids to worship us, right? Let's be honest. Mm. It's like, we want you to look up to us. We want you to want to emulate us. We we want to envision you sitting in a counselor's room years from now going, no, I'm awesome because my parents made me awesome (laughs) versus the, you know, I'm a mess because my parents were a mess. (laughs) And so there's a little bit of us that wants that. But the reality is what our ultimate desire and goal should be that that they have no desire to worship us, that the only thing they'd want to emulate in us is is our love for Jesus and our Mm. willingness to be honest about how much we need Him on a daily basis. Now, that's the Mm. thing that we should crave for them to see and emulate. That's a good goal. The other invitation that I think comes from that when you talked about there's only one person is just how that sets them up in a really healthy way for relationships like Mm. that you aren't looking for a spouse or friends or other relationships who are going to meet your every need and be perfect in that. And so Mm -hmm. I think there's so many layers of gifts that you're offering in that invitation. So thank you for sharing that. And even building on that, what is one thing you've learned that helps with being free? I'm a one. <laughs> Let's start you there. are? Jeannie, oh. I don't think I knew that. Y'all, have you ever met a one with a one wing? <laughs> <laughs> You're so one, there's no oh, room geez. for any other numbers. I'm yeah. so one that I have a one wing. Aww. I am not proud of it. Do you know that we're both ones? I do. And I... You know, I know you're not supposed to want to be a different number, but I do. Because, oh, me too. Oh, we 100% oh. want that too. <laughs> oh, ones, man. So I am very, very prone to order <laughs> and and all the other things that come with being a one. But I'm also incredibly, I default to self-reliance every day. Like I have to almost push like the reset button. Like I'm supposed to be spirit reliant, not self-reliant. Like press the spirit reliant button every morning. And so one of the things to answer your question, David, is remembering that parenting is actually designed to deepen my dependence on God. Mm. 
So as a one, I'm very designed to rely on myself and to fix things and to make things perfect and to carry that burden myself. And so it's just kind of that continual mindset, Jeannie, these moments are designed to deepen your dependence on God. You cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. And on top of that, most of the things that I am trying to do in my kids' lives are actually not my job. God has not given me those things to do. So I often find myself trying to play the Holy Spirit's role in my boys' lives, which only leaves me grasping for control again. And so just remembering that I do my best parenting when I am trusting the Spirit and relying on the Spirit to do what God has given him to do in my kids' lives and to rely on his strength and his power in my daily parenting. Mm. Easier said than done. Mm. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Much easier said than done. As ones, which really were perfectionists is what that means. I will never forget being in therapy. I mean, I must have been 28. And my counselor talking about this video, there was some Olympic athlete and he was doing, is it called the vault, that thing you run and put your hands on and flip over or something? I think it's a vault. I hope so. That shows how athletic I am. (laughs) She was talking about this man who was running towards it, and he missed putting his hands on it, and he slammed his chest onto it. And so he totally missed the whole thing he was supposed to be doing. And then he was walking back around to get in line, and he took a metal folding chair and slammed himself over the head with it. And she said to me, Sissy, I feel like you do that every day. Mm. And As perfectionists, I think we try so hard, we try to be self-reliant, we're going for control to make things the way we think they should be, which is perfect and glorious and all these things. Mm -hmm. And then we miss it every single time. And so it does feel like our options are either to increase our anger at ourselves and sense of failure or dependence. And so I just love that you're going there because I think it just brings such a sigh of relief for all of us to hear your words and the truth spoken over that in this journey. So I'm so grateful, Jeannie, everything you're saying. Well, it's convicting because, you know, when we expect perfection of ourselves, the natural thing to do is to expect perfection of others. Yes. It goes back to the, you know, knowing God's grace for ourselves. And we can give that to our kids and to our spouses. You know, it's been so interesting for Mike and I to learn each other's numbers. We don't know a whole lot about the Enneagram, I'll admit. We know the basics enough to be dangerous. (laughs) 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 One of the funniest things Mike's ever said to me is, now I understand why when you walk in the door, you put all of the shoes on the shoe shelf before you even hug anybody. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I was like, I do that? I do that? I look at their shoes before, and he's like, you do, but now I know why, because you thrive in order. And and he's like, and thank God, because if you didn't put the shoes on the shoe shelves, we'd all be tripping over the shoes all day long. But <laughs> you know, there's like 47 pairs of shoes in the mudroom. But it's been helpful for us as a couple, and therefore in our parenting, to understand how our Enneagram number impacts the way we look at the world and the way we interact with one another and with our kids. Because it also highlighted to me, Jeannie, walk in the house, hug them hard. And fix their shoes. <laughs> and I believe right. it, those little things really do significantly matter. Mm. I think we're constantly thinking about the big things, but there's just so many little ways that we can be interacting with our kids with a more you know, loving, present, graceful approach. Mm. And I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> the Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Did you know that Minnow has an award-winning children's Bible? Written by VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer, 
The Menno Laugh and Grow Bible for Kids is more than a children's Bible storybook. It's a deep, engaging, and whimsical gospel experience. Each Bible story is vividly illustrated, takes just minutes to read, and includes a family connection to encourage readers to learn, talk, and pray together. Find out more at shop.gomeno.com. That's shop.gominno.com. You have already said so many things that I would say are probably guiding principles for any parent's that is one of my favorites, hug them and then fix their shoes. But if you had to say <laughs> two or three kind of big picture things that feel really important to you in terms of guiding principles, what would those be? I think the first one, and it's really kind of the theme woven throughout Mom Set Free, which is I am significant, but God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's really important because we do play a really significant role in our kids' lives, as the two of you know better than any of us. The words that we speak can hurt or heal. They can build up or tear down. We do play a really significant role. We have to study our kids. We have to learn them and invest ourselves in being the most gospel-centered parents we can be for them. But at the end of the day, God is sovereign over our significance. And that is truly where I find freedom that I can get it all right or I can get it all wrong today. And God is still sovereign over my kids' lives. I was reading this morning in Ephesians. The verse is Ephesians 1.11, and it says, In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. That was really powerful for me this morning, that he works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And I know, I know his will is for my kids to know him and love him and follow him, even when I'm not seeing the fruit or the proof. That's really hard as a parent to feel like we've been raising our kids (laughs) in prayer and reading the Jesus Storybook Bible and serving and attending church and and doing all the things that we know will help plant seeds of faith in their hearts. But some days we don't see fruit, and that's really hard. That's really hard. It was interesting. I got a text from my mom yesterday, and we're Instagram friends, but she also is the mom of several boys. And it looks like her kids are completely crushing life. Okay, let's just put it that way, right? Like, And I know she's not doing that intentionally. I really don't. She is an authentic, beautiful soul. But we have to remember Instagram is the highlight reel. Right. She texted me yesterday. She basically said she was reading Mom Set Free and the Lord was really freeing up some perfectionism in her life. And, and she talked openly about how much she's struggling right now with her teenage boys and, and feeling something very similar to what I just expressed. Just, you know, when we're not seeing the fruit of our labor because we don't control the outcome right? We control the effort, but we don't control the outcome. And that can be hard for a one. Mm. More than that, it's because I want them to live in the abundant life that Jesus came to give them. I want them to enjoy all that comes in being in relationship with Jesus. And it's not like they're off the rails. It's just that they're teenage boys who you just want to see all the fruit of your labor. And I know we will. I trust that God is sovereign over their lives. And we do see it. We see little glimpses every day, but I can be a glass half empty sometimes, to be totally honest. So I think the challenge for us as parents is to also be willing to be looking for God's activity in our kids' lives. Mm. 
I can be more like on like a consequence cop or sim patrol and, and only noticing where there's things I need to fix or things aren't going as planned. And so I know the challenge for me right now is to just be really thoughtful about identifying God's activity in their lives every day. Like, all right, Lord, that was you. Lord, that's you. And that gives me a lot of hope. I think that's where I take a deep breath and kind of refuel is being intentional and identifying the beautiful things that God is doing in their lives that I can be quick to overlook because I'm only thinking about what I need to fix or how boys don't do really well with distance learning during COVID. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what are you doing right now? That doesn't look like your teacher's face on your screen. I'm so confused, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And they're like, oops, Uh, I got distracted. And I'm like, but you have to be in school right now. You have to learn. (laughs) You have to pass seventh grade. So anyway, so that's one thing for me. And I think the other is, um, I think God's invitation for moms is we have to be willing to lay down what he hasn't asked us to carry so that we can thrive in what he has. I think we as moms take on a lot of things that God has not given us. And so I think we're wise to just identify those things, hold those things that we carry up against scripture. Okay, God, that wasn't, that's not mine to carry. So I'm going to lay that down because when that burden is lifted, when we give him back those things that he did not put on our shoulders, then we really do walk lighter and we can breathe deeper and we can parent with more joy. That's my challenge to parent with more joy. Mm -hmm. And when I am refueled by the Holy Spirit, I have joy. And when I am not, I am not. And so I want the joy of the Lord to be present in my house. I think that of all the, as I talked about earlier, I think all these seeds of faith that we can plant, if we are not doing that with joy, then we have to ask ourselves, what message are we sending to our kids, mm. right? If there is not the joy of the Lord in those things, and and this is where our friend Courtney DeFeo's book is so helpful, right? Where she talks about in this house, we will giggle. Yes. How beautiful is that, mm-hmm. right? So we're so focused on instilling virtues and planting seeds that you know we can have these clenched fists and this clenched jaw. Mm-hmm. And where is the joy of the Lord in that? And so if we lay down the things he didn't, ask us to carry, then I think the joy comes back and the lightness comes back. And and we can plant those seeds in our kids' lives knowing that we don't control the outcome. And that's really only bad news if we think we can do a better job than God, mm. right? I mean, isn't that the truth? Mm. If we want to have control, I'll speak for myself, when I want to have control over the outcome, which right now there are several outcomes I would very much like to have control over, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. That means I think I can do a better job than him. That's crazy. So it's just about trusting him. You know, Lord, I open my hands and I trust you. I can't do a better job than you. You will be faithful to fulfill your promises to my boys. And you will carry me. You will carry me through seasons that are hard. And you will carry me through seasons that are delightful. I think we seem to be in a little bit of a harder one right now. So I might be, I might be <laughs> a little more honest than I should be on this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. We're grateful for your honesty. Yes, we are. And your humility. Yes. But he's good. He shows up. He shows up. Yeah. He's so good. We talk a lot about the Enneagram on this podcast, and you have painted, I think, as helpful a picture of why we believe it's a game-changing tool for parents. And Mm -hmm. I'd love to just freeze on that for a moment for any parent who's maybe straddling the fence and thinking, is that as helpful as it is? 
I was listening to you a few minutes ago when you were talking about the ability to see evidence of what God is doing as opposed to just wanting to fix things. And I think Mm -hmm. that to me feels like such fruit of your understanding of the Enneagram as a one and the shoes. (laughs) I want to go back to that for one quick second because I think what's important to hear that I think is evidence of the benefit of that tool in hearing you tell that story is that you could then choose to walk in the house and hug first and put the shoes in order second. And what I want to highlight there is that you acknowledge that you can't stop seeing the shoes. That's a part of being a one. Unfortunately, it is. Yes. And if you don't spend time with the Enneagram, you probably would make that your effort. Like, I'm going to do everything I can to try to not see the shoes, like not be focused on that. And I think in your number, you are going to see the world how you see the world. Mm -hmm. And what I loved within you telling that story, too, is that it gave such understanding and compassion for your husband, like that he could say, I now understand why you do that. (laughs) (laughs) And the kind of grace he extended to you as opposed to just being frustrated with that. And I think that's what it offers couples in the journey of marriage and parenting in a way that I just wanted to highlight that because I think it's a beautiful picture of why we've talked so much about that and and where it can lead us in this journey of knowing God and loving others. Mm -hmm. So thank you for for sharing that. And along those lines, I'd love to hear you talk about if there is another what we'll call being free practice that you have done recently, and that could be within the context of parenting, or that could be just within your own journey as a person that has been another practice that's helped you be more free. Well, this will probably sound like a kind of a course she said that answer, but it's the only truth I know, which is I am becoming more of the mom I long to be is utterly dependent on me being in pursuit of Christ. It is the only answer I have that when I am in pursuit of him, when I am just living, abiding in him, I am a different mom. I mean, Jesus said, when you abide in me and I will abide in you apart from me, you can do no good thing. So I can do a lot of things. I can be very productive when I'm not abiding, but I'm not very fruitful And again, that goes back to being a one. I like being productive, but productive doesn't make me more of the mom I long to be. Fruitful does. So Mm. if I would give a word of encouragement to moms or dads listening, it's kind of one of the foundations of Mom Set Free, which is our kids don't need us to be the perfection of Christ. They need to see us in pursuit of Christ. And there is so much freedom in that because We don't become better moms by trying harder and harder. We become better moms by getting to know God better and better. Jesus said that. Jesus said, come to know me better and better. As you behold me, you will become like me. Now, I know that there might be a mom with a one, three, and five-year-old listening to me right now going, easy for you to say, you know, like there's no time. I am buried in laundry and Cheerios and all of the daily things. And I get that. I so get that. There are five humans in this house who eat me out of the kitchen every day. (laughs) I did the math. I was like, babe, we serve 28 meals a day during COVID. (laughs) No wonder the Costco people know me by name. I get it. I get the busyness. So I also don't try to paint a picture of like a chair and a candle and the hour before they wake up, even though you only got three hours of sleep. Like abiding is... Blare that worship music in the kitchen. Worship Him. You know, I was having a very honest conversation with God the other day and telling Him some things I wasn't happy about. 
And the question that kind of stirred in my spirit is, well, what are you going to do about it? And the answer I had was, I'm just going to worship you louder. Mm. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to worship you louder. Mm. What else can I do? And I think there's something really beautiful with our kids seeing us worshiping him, worshiping him when it's good, worshiping him when it's hard. So abiding in him is Caleb or Erwin on the radio. It's just a Bible app on your phone. It's the word of God being opened on your kitchen counter, but he will supply our every need. He will, he will. So give up the perfection thing. It's overrated. We'll never achieve it. As ones, you know, we'll never tire of needing to hear that said, but I know even moms who aren't ones have a desire to be the best they can be for our kids. Mm. So I think the only way we can do that is to live in pursuit of Christ and he will, by his spirit, give us what we need to be the moms we long to be and where we fall short, his grace is sufficient. Mm. I have a little sign hanging in my office that is from... Hopetown, something that Melissa taught along the way that has been like one of the most pivotal sentences of my whole life. And it is, he doesn't ask us to try harder. He just makes us new. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes. And that feels like so much of what you're saying. I mean, everything you're saying anchors back to that. We've talked so much about your honesty and humility today, Jeannie, which obviously David and I know is a part of who you are, just as having the privilege of being your friend. And it's obvious that you allow these hard moments with your kids to be what drives you to him in pursuit and then transforms you. I love that you anticipate, I think, what we would want parents to hear from your heart. And the next question, which you're kind of speaking to already, would be, what are your kids teaching you lately? (laughs) (laughs) Besides how to cook 20, how many meals did you say during the pandemic? 28? They are teaching me how much I need Jesus. That's what they are teaching me. Yes. The irony about the wanderer years is that I love watching who they're becoming. It is so incredible. They are so different. You know, people ask me if I wish I had girls. I'm like, honestly, I wanted six boys, but I got tired and I quit after five. (laughs) Not one of them is alike. They're so unique and watching the unique gifting that God has given each one of them. And I'm confident that I'll look back and I'll go, that's why you had to go through that. Or that's why we had to go through that because God was preparing you for his plans for you. They're each so unique, but watching them in the wanderer years, they teach me so much about my need for Jesus, but they bring me such life. (laughs) That's the irony about these years where they can suck all the life out of you. The other night I made dinner and then I (laughs) walked out the kitchen door And one of my boys said, where are you going, mom? And I said, somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I didn't even know. I just had to get in my car for a second because they were in the kitchen and they were arguing and it was hard. And I said to my husband, I was like, you know, we're raising a bunch of wanderers. They're going to make me wander somewhere else for a little while. (laughs) But the irony is they're so fun. I love being Mm. around them. They are still my favorite place to be. They are my favorite place to be. I love being their mom. I... I'm so proud of them. I can't stand it. The beauty of that is that that's how God feels about us as moms on our worst day. That's how he feels about us. That's what they're teaching me. That even on the hardest days with them where I'm like, what were you thinking? Oh, wait, you weren't thinking. Mm. That God is, that's how he loves us. You know, he's Mm. like, I love you. It's the worst day ever, but golly, do I love you. You are covered in the righteousness of my son. You are not a bad mom. You are 
a sinner saved by grace who is now my beloved, and I love you. So they remind me how God feels about me, but in a in a much grander, more perfect, beautiful way. Mm. Just want to keep this conversation going for hours and hours. Is this where I get to ask you questions? <laughs> <laughs> we have one more for you. I'm going to see how I can turn this one around to ask the question I want to ask. Go okay. for it. Okay. Let's play it. This may be your favorite question of the conversation. We're going to take a detour here. Okay. You've shared many meals with us. You mm-hmm. know how mm-hmm. we love to eat and mm-hmm. a particular affection for tacos. And we love to ask, what's your favorite kind of taco? My favorite kind of taco is a taco I can't eat because I have celiac. So do I answer the one I love to eat? or the? I know. I'm very bland. I'm like your beef, lettuce, cheese, sour cream girl. Crispy or soft? I got to go crispy because it's all I got. So I got to love it. I like nachos with a lot of cheese. That's a form of tacos. Yes. Absolutely. That That counts. Right? From Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, I've Should never had their nachos. <laughs> oh, really? You probably don't have a lot of options where you are for tacos. We don't have a lot of options, but we do have Buffalo Wild Wings. And since my boy's <laughs> diet is primarily nachos and wings, we get delivery from them quite often. So I do I enjoy bet. their nachos. That you do. Yes. Oh, Jeannie. Uh, we do love nachos. When you move to Nashville, when you move to Nashville, uh-huh. we'll open you up to even more options here. Yes, we will. Oh, I love that. I love that. I am. Um, I'm just going to come visit for no good reason, just to see you guys. Please, we do. love that plan. Hey, but seriously, can I ask you a question? Because I've been talking a lot about all that we've learned from David, because we have five boys. But Sissy, even though you are focused on girls and your new book, Brave, which I've recommended it to so many people. Yes, I think it's not unfair to say that there's a lot of boys, especially right now in the in the pandemic, who are dealing with anxiety and a lot of the things that you speak to. So I'd be curious, what would be your primary word of advice for moms of boys who are watching their kids walk through a lot of things that the young women that you're talking to are walking through? I think the same principles work for girls and boys. So many of the things we talk about. And, you know, those first three things about helping them breathe and helping them do things to kind of come out of the loop. And then the worry monster, worry Mm -hmm. whisperer stuff. I Mm -hmm. think all of that works for boys, too. It's probably harder to get them sometimes to buckle down and do those things. And I think, too, it's harder for us to recognize. Sometimes that's what's going on with boys because it does come out so often as anger. Anger, yeah. It comes out directed at us. And so, you know, I think we would say in all things, we want to dig underneath the behavior, that it's always communicating something. And so really trying to dial in to listen to, is anxiety what's going on and why? And how can we step in and not only help, but empower them because it's so easy to, especially in this day and time, it's so easy for us to try and fix it for them. Yeah. And so instead to help empower them. And the last thing I would say is what someone's already doing right now, because I would say there's this really great episode of the Raising Boys and Girls podcast with Jeannie Kenyon (laughs) that they need to listen to because Jeannie, as you were talking, my brain went back to a mom of three kids who I think all three of them have had anxiety, boys and girls. And I remember her sitting in my office in tears saying, I did not know this parenting thing that I was going to have to be a pillar. I'm supposed to be a pillar. I'm not a pillar. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to be a pillar. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking, I mean, even in the first five minutes of our podcast, what I found myself doing was breathing more deeply. Mm -hmm. 
There was a sense of rest in your words and in the grace and the freedom that you were speaking. And I think for any of us raising anxious kids, the likelihood is they genetically got it from us, number one. But number two, (laughs) they're probably triggering anxiety in us. And so, you know, we talk so much about self-care, but I think the overarching care that we need is from Christ. And the fact that you have been speaking so much light and truth and hope to that, I think man, listen to this episode regularly, and it'll help your anxiety with yourself and with your boys or girls, either one. So yeah. we are just so grateful for you and and your time and your words and the truth that you have shared in all of your books, and you have one coming. I do. When is it coming? May 11th, it comes out. May 11th. Yeah. The title of the book is Don't Miss Out, Daring to Believe Life is Better with the Holy Spirit. It is a book for all women. It's not sp- specifically for moms. Oh, there there will be a Bible study come out in December with Lifeway, specifically for moms. That is called Never Alone, Parenting and the Power of the Holy Spirit. So yeah, don't miss out. I wrote the book because I was missing out. I was missing out on all of God, and He answered my prayer for more of Him, for all of Him. And He reintroduced me to the Holy Spirit, and I couldn't not write a book about what He taught me. It was It was too good. There's just so much that feels like you're being led to bring us the words we need right now. So just so grateful for you, friend. Thank you. Well, thank you for answering that question, because when I shared your brave book on Instagram the the other day, it was amazing how many questions I got. Mom said, well, what about boys? What about boys? And I actually responded to all of them. And I said, this is for boy moms, too. You could still read this, too. And I said, but I'm going to be on a podcast with her in a couple days, so I will ask her. (laughs) And then I'll have proof that boys can really benefit from this, too. So thank you for answering that. I think it's going to be really helpful for moms and dads of girls and boys. So I just love y'all. We love you. It was so good to be with you today. So good to be with you. So good to be with you. I'm just so grateful for your lives and your ministry and your friendship and the wisdom that you bring into my life and Mike's life as parents. We are just so grateful for you. You make a profound difference in the way we parent our kids. So thank you. Thank Thank you, Jeannie. We love you. We're so grateful for you spending the time with us today. Love you too. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gominno.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.